Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Hey, good morning. Uh, well, if we get to the end of this sermon and, um, and it was not up to your expectations, let me just say that's John's fault, um, and we'll, we'll go that route with it. So it'll work. It'll work. Uh, are you guys as excited to be here this morning as I am? Amen. I mean, I am. Let me just say I, I'm thankful that, that, uh, that we get to worship in this church together in a place where we have multiple pastors, somebody like Frank who uh, I can ban- I mean, send over to uh, Porterville and uh, give me the opportunity to, to come over here and, and uh, see all you guys again. So that's really cool. Um, let me ask this morning, uh, how many people in here are, uh, are Star Wars fans? Okay, we got, we got a good chunk of you, right? We got a, we got a good group going on. Uh, I remember my, my, when I was younger, I would talk to my parents uh, about, about the kind of things that they grew up with, and at this time, the, the prequels were, were starting to come onto DVD and everything. I was getting to see those. Really confusing as a kid when the, I mean, you're just learning what prequel and sequel means, and then the prequels come out after the sequels, and so, I mean, I was real, I'm, I'm easy to confuse already, but that made it even worse for me as a kid growing up, but I'm talking to my parents and specifically my mom about uh, when the Star Wars, when the original uh, sequels, you know, four, five, and six, when those ones came out, and she talked to me about getting to go, and she actually went, she bought her ticket for the movies, she stood in the line, she paid way too much for popcorn, and uh, she talked about getting to see, you know, Jabba the Hutt on the big screen, he barely fit on that one too, and, uh, and so, I mean, she, she talked about all this experience with Star Wars, and I mean, I, I was just blown away by what she was, that she was able to go see it in theaters and everything, and I, and I never got to experience that. I mean, for me, it was just, I got to see it on DVD and Blu-ray, right? And uh, maybe if I visited my grandparents, then maybe they had a VHS copy that I could watch. I'm 26, but I do still know what VHS is. Um, but, but, you know, that, that was my experience with, with Star Wars. So when Disney said that they were buying the Star Wars franchise and they were going to make more movies, I got a little bit excited because I was like, oh, man, this is, this is my opportunity. You know, what my parents experienced as reality and I had only got to experience as a dream, now I can go see Star Wars in theaters, right? I can see it on the big screen. I didn't even care if the movies were going to be good or not. I didn't care if Disney succeeded with these. I just, I got to go see Star Wars in theaters. And so, uh, so I was excited about that. And, and I think part of the reason that it's such a big deal is that, I mean, Star Wars is a, it's a staple in our society. Like, we realize that, right? I mean, Star Wars holds a certain level of, of value in our society, and I think I can prove that just by saying, you know, if, if I throw out some quotes out there, like if I said, Luke, I am your father, everybody would know what I'm talking about, even though that's not even the right quote from the movie, but we won't get into that. And, uh, you know, if, if I mentioned Yoda, like how many of you guys know who Yoda is? Yeah, exactly. All the same hands went up. And... Uh, and so, I mean, you would know when I say the name Yoda, you're thinking of that little uh, spunky green dude, right? That's, uh, I mean, he's, he's who every single one of us want to be when we grow up, right? I mean, if we can get old and be like Yoda, then, then that's a win. And so, in, in Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, there's a scene with Luke Skywalker and Yoda. And uh, Luke's, uh, basically a spaceship is stuck in a swamp. 
And uh, he's working to get that out, and, and Yoda's working with him. He's teaching him the force and everything so he can lift his, his X-wing out of the swamp. And that's where we get this classic quote from Yoda in this moment. And I'm not going to say it in my Yoda voice, so you're welcome. Uh, but Yoda, in this moment, kind of as a last-ditch encouragement for, for Luke, he says these words. He says, do or do not, there is no try. Right? You guys familiar with those words? Yeah, I heard some of you quoting them with me. We, we know those, that phrase, right? Do or do not, there is no try. Or in other words, Luke, this is win or lose. This is black and white. There are no participation trophies. There, there's no halfway. You either win or you lose. Do or do not, there is no try. And so uh, this morning, we're going to be right in the middle of the book of Galatians. And this is actually, we're, we're in Porterville, we're going through the book of Galatians, and so uh, rather than spend, you know, the, the 20 weeks that I'm spending there with them, I'm just going to give it to you all in uh, two, three hours maybe, and, uh, and it'll be good. And so uh, the book of Galatians is, is a New Testament book, and it was written by the Apostle Paul. And so what Paul had done is he had gone to a region called Galatia, that's where we get the name Galatians, and he had preached to a group of people called Gentiles. Uh, now, if you're new to church and you don't know what all that means, basically you, you've got two classes of people. You've got the Jews, who that's the whole story that we're wrapped up in all through the Bible is the story of the Jews, and everybody who's not the Jews are the Gentiles, so that's everybody else. So the Galatians were these Gentiles, which means they had their own culture, uh, they had their own language, they had their own way of life. Uh, ev everything was, was different with them. But Paul brought the gospel to these people. Uh, they, they learned who Jesus was. They learned what it meant to live as a Christian, and they had started churches in their communities. And, and over time, the Jews had come in, and Paul had taught this concept of justification by faith. And the Jews came in, and they said, yeah, 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 that's great, that's great. Justification by faith, yeah, we're, we're all over that. But don't forget, there's also some parts of the law that you, need to, uh, that you need to follow too. And if you don't follow those, then, well, then you're out. And so Paul, as soon as he got wind of this, that's when he wrote the book of Galatians. And he writes uh, to the Gentiles there in the land of Galatia to say, well, no, 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 no. Remember what I taught you. Remember what I told you. That this is, it's, it's not workspace. You can never earn this. You can do as much as you want, but you're never going to earn this. And so we're going to pick up right in the middle of the book of Galatians in chapter 3. And, and I, I'm sorry, but we're going to start right in the middle of chapter 3 uh, in verse 10. And we're going to start out Galatians 3, uh, 10 through 12. And if you don't have your Bibles, that's fine. We'll throw them up on the screens up here. But Galatians 3, verses 10 and 12, we read this. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it's written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do all of them. Now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. And then he says, but the law is not a faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. The one who does them shall live by them. So, so what's going on here is, is Paul is, is having a little Yoda moment here. You missed it. That was little Yoda. It's okay. It's okay. Y'all need to wake up. Okay. I'm, I'm preaching. Pay attention. We're, we're going with this. Okay. So, so Paul is writing to the Galatians and, and he's saying this as he points to the law. He's saying, hey, this is, if you want to go the route of the law, if, if you want to follow all those Old Testament commands and everything to, to make that the basis of your relationship with God, then what you have to understand is this. It's do or do not. There is no try. You either make it or you don't. 
There's no ties. There's no participation trophies. It's black and white. It's win or lose. Do or do not, there is no try. And so this is, this is important for us because this is where uh, the, the, really our society, but the world as a whole, has, the, has a fundamental misunderstanding of grace, right? Because uh, much of the world believes that if I just do enough good things, then I'll end up in the good place. Or, or the inverse, if I don't do too many bad things, then I won't end up in the bad place, right? I mean, how many of you know somebody who believes that? That's, I, I, it, it's all over the place. I mean, they, they may believe in the person and the work of Jesus. They may say, yeah, yeah, I, I believe that Jesus came, he died on the cross, all that stuff that the Bible says, uh, but, but there's some moralistic bit to it that I, I have to do enough to make it. And what the Bible teaches us is that if you're going to try and do enough good to make it into heaven, that's great. But you don't have to be good enough you have to be perfect, right? Do you get the difference? Yeah. So the, the difference there, you know, we, we think that if we do enough good things on the list of rules that will make it, and, and Paul is telling the Galatians that if they're going to live that way, then they have to do all of the good things, every single one of them, all the time. They have to be completely perfect. That's a, that's a heavy standard, right? You're not going to try and hope that you've done enough. You either win or lose. You're either in or out. And, and this, is, this is so intense that actually as you read through the Bible, we're, we're taught that we're either perfect or we're an enemy of God in our sin. I mean, what a heavy standard that is, right? I mean, if, if this is something that you're just, you're, you're thinking maybe this is something that I'm, I'm going to look at, maybe this is something that I'm just exploring right now, that's, that's a heavy standard to work out. That there's no middle ground. You're either perfect or you're an enemy of God. And so it's important for us to understand as well that, that part of this goes against our being. This goes against uh, how, how we function as people. You know, because there's something in us that wants to create. There, there's something in us that wants to succeed. Um, I mean, have you ever met somebody whose goal in their life was to grow up and to live in their mother's basement playing video games and eating Pop-Tarts? right? Okay, a couple hands went up. That's not good. Um, to the ladies in here, if you've met someone like that, run the other way. That's not the guy, okay? That's, I mean, if that's his goal, you got, you got better things on the horizon for you. That's not it. And, and so, I mean, sometimes we end up in miserable positions, right? I mean, sometimes there, there are situations that happen, things that go on in our lives, and we end up in circumstances that are less than ideal, right? I mean, most of us have probably been there at some point, but that's not our goal. That's not what we were going for. That's not what we were hoping for. That's not what we were working towards. We had so much more in mind. We were, we were dreaming of success. I mean, we dream of beating the odds. We dream of being the one right? The, the one who could do it when no one else could. I mean, how many of us are drawn when watching sports to, to root for the underdog? I mean, that's, we, we, we keep hoping that maybe this can be the one, that they'll pull it off, that, that somebody will finally beat the Patriots, right? And maybe we'll get lucky eventually, but I don't even know football. What am I talking about? And uh, so, you know, Katie and I, when, Katie's my wife, if, if you guys didn't know that already. So uh, Katie and I, when we lived in our first home, we were renting. It was... Uh, 
less than ideal, we'll say it that way. And uh, when we were living there, we had, for some reason, I don't even remember what was going on, but for some reason, we had to shut up all the gas to the house. Um, I think we were actually setting up our dryer or something like that, and so we shut off all the gas to the house, and uh, we moved the dryer in, got it all hooked up, everything was good to go, and then uh, turned the gas back onto the house, and we live our lives like normal. Well, at the time, I was working the night shift, and uh, so I had middle of the afternoon, you know, I, I go and I'm getting ready to take a shower. And so I turn the water on in the shower and I wait a few minutes and I go back and I reach in and, oh man, that's still cold. Okay, that's fine. I'll wait a little bit longer. So I turned it up a little bit warmer, waited a little bit longer and I come back and I stick my hand in there again. Oh, that's still cold. Okay, well, I mean, that's weird, but okay. And so I wait a little bit longer and I come back and it's still cold. And then, it, oh, I forgot to light the pilot on the water heater, right? Okay, well, that's easy fix, no problem. I'll just go light the pilot and I'll take a warm shower as if it would warm up that quick for me anyway. And uh, young and naive, it's fine. And so, you know, I go and I'm, okay, no big deal. So I, I grab some matches and I go to the water heater and I look and I, it occurs to me that there's no way you're getting that match all the way in that tiny little hole in the water heater to get that pilot lit. And, and we're, we're newly married, so we don't have one of those like aim and flame clicker things that y'all are blessed with, right? We just got matches. And so I'm, what in the world am I gonna do to get this lit? And so I'm, I mean, I'm looking all over the house trying to find some sort of solution. Maybe like, maybe when people were helping us move in, somebody accidentally dropped an aim and flame in a box and, and we just got lucky or something. You know, we're, we're hoping for anything. I'm not finding anything. So I go to my wife. My wife always has crazy ideas. That's, that's, it's a good thing though. And, uh, and so I go to her and I'm like, hey, what, can you think of anything to get this thing lit? And so she tells me, crazy ideas, she tells me, yeah, I heard that noodles are flammable. Okay, I'll try it. I'll get a spaghetti noodle, I'll get a match, light the end of the spaghetti noodle, and I'll be able to, you know, it'll work. So I go to the pantry to grab a spaghetti noodle, and wouldn't you know it, we only have fettuccine noodles. <laughs> and, uh, and fettuccine noodles don't light as easy as spaghetti noodles do. I tried it anyway, wasn't working. So I'm, I'm racking my mind again. What am I going to do to get the pilot on this lit? And so uh, finally I come across something. I mean, I've been looking everywhere for anything. You know when you break your noodles when you're making spaghetti to, so that they all fit in the pot and everything? And every single time, no matter how hard you try, you always drop some of them under the stove. So I'm like looking under the stove and there's, the mice already got them. And so finally I find something though. I find a spool of twine. And I got it. I got an idea. So I grab my spool of twine and I run back and I grab another fettuccine noodle and a match and I take the twine and I tie the match to the end of the fettuccine noodle and then I lit the match and after like seven or eight tries, I finally got the thing lit. And I was, I did it. Like, I mean, I, finally, I did it. And so, you know, I, I got this thing lit and I'm, I'm like at the peak of anything that I've ever felt as a man before, right? I mean, have you ever gone into something and, and, and it seemed like all the odds were stacked against you and uh, if you were to fail, nobody would have, would have counted it against you, but you did it. You succeeded. I mean, that, that just that feeling that you get of accomplishing something, of knowing I was the ultimate MacGyver in that moment, right? And so, I mean, that's, that's a mountain that you never want to come down from. You feel so good in that moment. I did it. I beat the odds. I didn't have an aim in flame, but I had fettuccine matches and twine. 
And that's basically the same thing. And so, <laughs> it was a weird story. And so, you know, more than anything, though, this, this feeds our pride, right? It says that we can do anything if we set our minds to it. But unfortunately, you know, the Bible has bad news for us. And it tells us that's not true. You know, no matter how long I stand here and I stare at those doors in the back, I'm never going to be able to open them with telepathy, right? I mean, that's what I always thought when my parents told me you can do anything you put your mind to. I'm like, anything? But I don't, I don't have that spiritual gift, right? I mean, it'd be super cool if I did. I'll keep praying for it, maybe. But, you know, as of right now, nothing's going to happen. No matter how much I set my mind to it, I can't do that. And so when we're faced with, with this option of having to be completely perfect or trusting in God, there's still a part of us that says, no, I can be the exception. I can make it. I can be the one. Right? There's still something in us that says, I can be the underdog when nobody else can do it, but they don't know who I am. They don't know what I can accomplish. And many of us try. Many of us try. But, but there's, here's the wisdom that I have to offer you in this. Do or do not, there is no try. Do or do not, there is no try. You, you either make it or you don't. You're either perfect or you're not. So you're not going to try to make it. You either do it or you don't. You're either perfect or you're not, and you're not. So there's got to be something else there for us then. So if we go back a little bit in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, uh, back to verse 11, Paul writes, now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. So, so what does it mean to live by faith? What does it look like for us, right? Uh, well, well, this is actually one of the most commonly quoted Old Testament passages in the New Testament. We see this multiple times spread across the New Testament. And so let's go back to Habakkuk 2.4, where this was originally written in the Old Testament. And we read this from the prophet Habakkuk. He says, behold, his soul is puffed up. It's not right within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. So in the Old Testament, we follow the story of God and his people and, and the nation of Israel, right? And, and now Israel was a lot like us, meaning uh, that they're not great at doing what they're told, right? I mean, I've, I've, got a, I've got a two-year-old, and she's growing, and she's learning so much, and, and we've gotten to this really cool point in our relationship where we can start to communicate some. And so I'm like sitting on the couch, and I'm like, hey, Felicity, can you go throw this away for dad? And she does it. And it's super awesome. I'm like, hey, Felicity, will you pick that up off the floor? Or, hey, Felicity, will you go uh, put your brother's binky back? In it? And it's, it's so cool. Like, why don't people have kids more often? It's great. And, and so, but there's always, there's always a but, right? And so the but is, is that now my daughter is learning that sometimes what mom and dad want her to do is not exactly what she wants to do. And so she's gotten really familiar with this word. Maybe you've heard it. No. Okay. Okay. So, so the, you know, Israel had this exact same problem. They, I mean, things would be going good between God and Israel. He'd be telling them how to live, and they're, and they're doing it. They're succeeding. And then eventually they realize, wait a second. No. 
And so, so ultimately what ends up happening, short story, so, so God sends uh, the nation of Assyria to part of the nation of Israel, and they take them, they wipe them out, uh, because God, as, as a parent, any good parent, disciplines their child. Um, and I don't have nations of war at my disposal, so I have to come up with other methods. But uh, God sent Assyria to, to the first portion of Israel, and then he sent the nation of Babylon to take the rest of Israel into captivity. And the thing about Babylon is that they were this uh, giant, arrogant empire. Th- this was a group of people that they were better than you, and they knew it. And the king of Babylon was even worse, that this guy, he may as well have been God. Uh, he felt that he himself deserved to be worshipped. So Habakkuk writes, and that's, that's where we get the beginning, Habakkuk writes, behold, his soul is puffed up. It's not right within him. But the righteous shall live by faith, right? So what's a sign to show you that you're not living by faith? It's your pride. Are, are you convinced that you can do anything by yourself? You know, I, I'm a thinker. I love research. I love knowing things. I, I love observing things. And I told my wife a little while back, I said, you know, any problem can be thought into a solution. And it was shortly after that that, uh, that God showed me just how wrong I was that I, I didn't have the mental capacity that I thought I had, and it hit me that that was my pride speaking, that I felt that there's nothing that life can throw at me that I can't overcome through my mental abilities. And God said, really? You think you, think you can do that? And so pride is, is the opposite of living by faith. Like, listen, how many of us dressed ourselves in the morning? All right, your hands took a little too long to go up on that one. That was... So, okay, so how many of you have done this number? Like, like, I'll get ready in the morning sometimes, and I get my pants, and you know how you've got the, you know, one leg is good, and the other leg is like halfway folded through the wrong way, but you don't know that until you're putting your pants on, so you get the one leg in, you're good, you go to put the second leg in, and your foot gets stuck halfway, and then you're trying to get ready, and you're stuck doing this number, right? And you're just, until you finally, okay, so just think for a second that we're sitting here saying to God, no, 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 I can do it on my own. And he's like, you can't even dress yourself in the morning. What do you mean you can do it on your own? Like, I only gave you two legs. It's not that complicated. But we think we can do it on our own. Our pride keeps coming back and saying, no, 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 Seth, you're the exception. You're the one. Our pride only exists because of a serious lack of observation skills. Because if I could see myself through the lens of God, then that pride couldn't exist. There's no space for it. And Paul, the same writer of the book of Galatians, he writes to us uh, also in the book of Philippians. And so in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, Paul writes, "'Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus.'" who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, or in other words, uh, something to be used to his own advantage. But then Paul says, but Jesus emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So living by faith means emptying yourself. You know, all, all of your baggage, all of your pride, all of your talents, all of the things that you're good at, all of the things that make you feel good about yourself and pouring all of those things at the feet of Jesus and recognizing that I don't need any self-assurance other than that which Jesus gives me himself. 
And so what does this look like? And, and I would say the step one is, is frequently praying that God would empty you to make room in your life for him. And, and listen, I mean, I know that prayer is hard for a lot of us. Prayer has been hands down the hardest part of my spiritual life for me to exercise and work through and, and, and to do well. But do you know what God wants from prayer? He wants transparency. He wants you. And so, so total honesty for me. The way that I started developing my prayer life is I would go into a room and I would shut the door behind me. I would get on the floor on my face and I would always pray out loud. I made a point that I would always pray out loud. And my prayer started out something like this. God, I, I know that you can hear me. Like, I understand that you can hear me, but I don't understand this. I, 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 don't, I don't understand prayer. When I talk to other people, they talk back to me. I, I have conversations, but God, I don't hear you. I don't understand this. And that was, that was my prayer life for a long period of time. But that's exactly the kind of prayer that God can work with. Just in case you didn't understand that, I'm going to say it again. That is exactly the kind of prayer that God can work with because it's honest and it's transparent. That's you. I, I, I can't even to tell, I begin to tell you how much my prayer life improved after coming to God with these prayers because what I'm doing in this moment is I'm emptying myself at the feet of Jesus saying, I can't do this, God. I don't understand this. You, you designed me to be a thinking person, to be a person who needs to understand everything, and I can't understand this. And God looks at me and says, that's exactly where I want you. Because now you're in a place that you can start to live by faith. And, and see, the wonderful thing about faith is that it's not like jumping into a pitch black room hoping that there's a floor. It's knowing the God who you've experienced and that he is always there to catch you whether you can see him or not. And so living by faith means that I have a certain amount of confidence whether I can see it or not. Living by faith means that I can take a moment to just, to just breathe and accept the reality that God has all this under control. And in reality, he cares a lot more about the things going on in my life than even I do. And so Jesus gives us a little bit of a look at this as well. Jesus is preaching this sermon. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus says this to us. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And so uh, what, what we have to understand when we look at this, it's, it's, it's almost like what in the world is Jesus talking about here? Well, we have to go back a little bit, and, and I think it's important to understand everything that Jesus said leading up to this moment. So there were a, a flurry of little messages that Jesus threw in here leading up to all this. So number one, Jesus teaches us about generosity, and he, he tells the people who he's teaching what it looks like to be uh, generous the right way, that you're not giving so that everybody sees you giving, but you're giving in private. You're giving so that other people can experience the love and abundance that Jesus has offered to you. And then second, he talks about prayer. And uh, specifically in this prayer, Jesus says something really interesting in verse 11. This is the prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus gives us this example of how to pray. And he says these words. He says, uh, he says to us, give us this day our daily bread. 
And so Jesus is linking this all the way back to the Jews after they had come uh, out of Egypt. They walked through the Red Sea, and, and they're out there, and they're complaining that Moses just brought them out there to die, and everything's horrible, and God gives them uh, what he calls manna, which just literally means what is it? Sounds like a good food, right? And so, so they get this manna, and God says, okay, collect the manna, but only enough for today. And what would happen is the people would collect enough for today, tomorrow, and the next day. They'd bring it home. They'd get their, their cabinets all loaded up and everything. And they eat their dinner. They wake up the next morning and they open the cabinet and all the man is rotten. And, and what God is saying is, you have to trust me today. And then tomorrow, trust me all over again. And the next day, trust me all over again. I've got your back through this. Just trust that I will always have your back to this. So then he talks about fasting. Not, not if we fast, but he talks about when we fast, right? And, and so uh, he's talking about when we take a break from something, usually food, to refocus on him and to make a point to have extra dependency on God in that moment. And then fourth, Jesus talks about our heavenly treasures, and, and he talks about not storing up all the things that are important to you here on this earth, things that, that will, will pass after times, things that, that you will lose over time. But he says, store up the things that are important. Store those things up. Store up the eternal things, the things that have eternal value that, that you'll never lose. And so he's reshifting our focus there. And then he says, therefore, that's where we picked up in that verse, where he says, therefore, do not be anxious. So everything culminates to this moment, this generosity and, and everything that, that Jesus is teaching that puts us in a position that we're forced to depend on God. He, he's walked us through all these things that if nothing else, they're things that give us a little bit of reason to be anxious, right? I mean, if you're just giving things away, if you're not eating the way that you would normally eat, uh, if, if you're saying, you know what, I'm not going to worry about material things, but I'm going to worry about spiritual things that I can't see or feel. If you're doing all of these things, suddenly you're in a position that maybe you're a little more prone to being anxious. And it's in that moment that Jesus says, no, 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 don't be anxious. You know, many of us have been through multiple recessions, but Jesus is telling us that he's not surprised by these moments, that he's still in control in these moments. He says, is not life more than these things? He gives us all these reasons to be anxious, and then he says, but trust me. Trust me that I care far more about you than you even care about yourself. And so, Jesus points out these, these fundamentals to survival, right? Sustenance, shelter, these sorts of things. Things that, that even animals in nature need. And, and it's this question of, well, aren't we even more than the animals in nature? And that's exactly where Jesus takes this. He says, look at the sparrows. They're, they're not going, storing up everything, throwing it in the barn for next year. You know, they're, they're not putting away a 401k or anything like that. And I provide for them every single time. Everything they get is a gift of abundance from God. And so, you know, when it comes to living by faith, it's, it's a little bit like this. Let me, let me show you. So, uh, if, if you've grown up in church a little bit, you may, you may have heard of faith as a chair before, right? So we got a chair here. And, and so we talk about faith in this way, right? Every time you see a chair, when you, when you walked in here this morning, you came in and you sat in your chair. You trusted this chair is going to hold me. Right? I didn't test this chair before the sermon. I just expect it's going to hold me. 
right? And so, so that's the faith that, that we've talked about. But some of us, when it comes to living by faith, we're, we're coming in here and we're And we gotta, we got to check it out a little bit. we got to, let's see how this thing, is it mechanically sound? And then we kind of set it down and we're, we got to test it a little bit, right? Make sure everything's, this back's not coming off, hopefully. And then, and then we come in and we, okay, this is good. Yeah, faith. See, I've got faith. It's great, right? But then some of us, some of us aren't even there. Some of us are walking in here this morning, and we come in, and, and people are asking how we're doing. They're asking about our spiritual life, and oh, man, everything's great. I mean, I got this faith, and I come in, and we're, this is all we're doing with the chair. And we're sitting this whole time showing everybody, look how great my faith is, you know, and, and what's going to happen eventually? I'm going to get tired. This is, this is going to get exhausting after a minute because I'm not actually having any faith in the chair. We're, we're putting on a show, and some of you are coming in here, and you're exhausted, and you don't know why. It's because you won't sit in the chair. See, God has, has orchestrated all of this life around you, and he's coming in, and he's saying, just rest in what I have to offer you. Oh, but Jesus, what about, what about, just rest in what I have to offer you. What I am giving you is so much better than anything that you could give yourself. You know, creation itself smells, tastes, touch, everything. You know the reason that you're thinking about what you're going to get for lunch right now instead of listening to me is? All right, see, you didn't think I'd call you out on that. See, it, it's because, you know why things taste good? Because God wanted them to taste good. That's a good gift for you. When you get all these candles and, and put them all over your house and light them and everything, they smell good. Why? Because God wanted them to smell good. All of these things are a good gift from our Father for us to experience and point us back to saying, listen, you can trust me. If, if I care about the little things like this, then can't you even trust me in the big things? That I care far more about these things than even you do. And so Paul wraps this up in Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14. And he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's you and me, by the way. Most of us, anyway. So that we might receive the promised spirit. How? Through faith. And I, so much here that we don't have time to get into right now, because uh, I'm not actually going to keep you for three to four hours, but that's fine. But, uh, you know, when, when we look at this, this doesn't mean that nothing bad will ever happen to you. This doesn't mean that your life will be easy, but it does mean your life can be free. You know, anxiety is one of those issues that can consume a person's life uh, to the point that they're no longer themselves. It's one of those things that can eat you alive if you let it. But Jesus offers us freedom from all of that. Now, now, let me be clear about something here. Just because you love Jesus doesn't make these things just go away. It doesn't guarantee that all of these things vanish. But what it does guarantee is that there is somebody walking through these issues with you every step of the way. And, and if you struggle with anxiety or depression or any of these things, I, I would still encourage you to get help because God, in his generosity, has blessed us with people with the knowledge and skills 
to, to bring us different medications or, or to work through uh, retraining our mind in these issues. And so, so what does living by faith look like? It looks like being generous even when it hurts. It, it looks like generosity with your finances, but even beyond that, generosity with your time, your resources, your, your effort, your strength, trusting that there's still going to be enough left for you when it's all said and done. You, you have the ability to be generous because by faith, Jesus has equipped you with his own spirit who brings you all that you need and then some. By faith, you know that you serve a generous God who you can never outgive. I'm going to say that again. You serve a generous God who you can never outgive. You can live a life of abundant generosity and abundance itself. See, my morals are not a way for me to please an angry God, but a response to a generous God who has blessed me more than I ever deserve. And, and maybe the generosity that you experience, uh, maybe it's tangible abundance, but maybe it's not. Sometimes it's not. Oftentimes I found that it's not. But you can still experience an abundant life. That's what Jesus promised us in, in John 10. He said that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But why did he come? He came to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. That's what he's bringing to offer us. So, so living by faith means taking a step back from all of the busyness of life and trusting God when he says, hey, why don't you take a day off? Why don't you rest for a minute? Why don't you trust for a second that if you just take a step back, I'm still in control. This, this whole universe doesn't revolve around you. You can take a step back. You can rest and trust that he still has it all in control. It's recognizing that the best that you have to offer is actually a gift from God. It means living a life of abundance where abundance is defined as the one who walks along with us to bear the burden of anxiety and stress so that we never have to walk that road alone. And, and listen, I, I want to close with this and just explaining that this, this living by faith, this peace that's offered to us is only found through the person of Jesus. And so if you're here, this is, this is a place that we want to make a, a, a safe place for you to explore faith, for you to explore these ideas. But this only comes to the person of Jesus. And, and maybe you've never, you've never come to Jesus before. Maybe you've never uh, extended an offer to him to be Lord over your life. And we want to give you that opportunity this morning. So as we go to God in prayer this morning, uh, when we close, there will be people up here who will be willing to pray with you, talk through some of these issues, and just to encourage you in your faith. And God, we come to you this morning thankful for who you are, thankful for, for how you work in our lives. God, we just ask that, that as each of us move forward individually, but also as a church, that you would empower us with a little more faith, that we could rest in your promises, that, that we wouldn't uh, feel the stress of all of this as if it all landed on our shoulders, but that we would know and believe that you care far more about these things than even we do. God, we ask that if there is anyone here this morning uh, who does not yet have a relationship with you, that you would call them to yourself. That, that as you are lifted up, God, that you would fulfill your promise that as you're lifted up, you will draw all men unto yourself. And I pray that, those, that that person could, could see and experience your goodness, your mercy, your justice, and your love. And God, be with us as we, as we go through our weeks and as we move forward and just give us a little more faith. God, we love you, we trust you, and we praise you. 
And in Jesus' name, amen.